Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word. Time for the adventure to begin. Say hello to our studio that does not exist. And we will get moving this week on our podcast for today. Let's get our sound uh, intact in here. We got some uh, new stuff coming uh, to kind of make it a little lighter <laughs> as we dig in deep and get heavy. So uh, it is New Testament Friday. I hope you're excited about that. I am excited. We got some New Testament to cover. Hope you enjoyed Old Testament Thursday, OT Thursday. That was episode seven yesterday, and today you will be New Testament episode eight, and uh, we are excited. We got a couple of great chapters. I hope that you are sharing with a friend who might be interested in listening. Our audience is growing, and we are so excited about that. We just keep getting more and more people posting on, and and it's thank you very much for sharing it and letting people know. And um, thanks for the questions and the comments. I've gotten comments from people who just you know put in uh, thank yous and uh, their appreciation for getting into the word and love some of the questions that we've gotten. Keep sending those questions in. We'll field those questions. You can uh, put them right on Spotify. There's, uh, you know, what'd you think about this episode part? And you can put your question right there and it comes to me and I get them and I'll pin them up so uh, other people can see them. Um, and we'll try and answer them right here. So uh, uh, just uh, keep them coming. And uh, we are uh, thrilled, thrilled that um, uh, this has been met with such um, enthusiasm and uh, joy. And I am just excited to do it. I love doing it, and uh, let's get into the Word of God. Here we go, reading for New Testament reading for Friday, this week, the 27th, is um, John, nope, sorry, Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, so I'm going to get us to Mark chapter 1, and uh, I, I thought I was there, but I was not, I was in Matthew. So it's Mark chapter 1, and uh, almost there, so close. Uh, Mark chapter 1, we start off with uh, John the Baptist, and we've had John the Baptist from last week as we did uh, um, John 1 and Matthew 3, and this is Mark chapter 1 and uh, Luke chapter 3, but uh, it it starts off with some familiar words in the beginning, and so... uh, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, and he goes right to that same Isaiah 40 passage, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, um, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So Mark goes right into the same kinds of things. And then there's the baptism of Jesus, which we talked about. And and, uh, excitingly, this weekend at Life Coast Church, on Sunday, if you're interested in being baptized, then uh, let us know because uh, we're going to be baptizing people on Sunday after church in the courtyard. We got our breakfast celebration with food and and uh, fellowship all out in the courtyard. But we'll also have the baptism tank out there, and you can get baptized. And just cool that we're talking about this this week and last week, and 
you can have an opportunity to get baptized. And so we talked last week about why did Jesus get baptized? Did he need to get baptized? It's fulfilling the righteousness of God. That is why he got baptized, because uh, it is what God calls us to do in order to, we talked about First Peter, where it is a pledge of loyalty to God the Father. So we uh, uh, encourage you that if you've given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, that it, baptism is your external pledge of loyalty. It's a public declaration of an inward, private uh, relationship you have with God, not really private, um, uh, intimate, that's the word I'm looking for, intimate relationship with God, but it's an external um, declaration, uh, a, a pledge of loyalty to Christ. And so uh, that's just uh, cool stuff. And uh, like I said, uh, this Sunday, the 29th, uh, we are having a baptism at Life Coast. And if you're listening to this, it's Friday, you go to Life Coast Church. Uh, or even if you don't go to Life Coast Church and you're interested in getting baptized, come on out, come see me. I'll be there and uh, send me an email, pastorjeff at lifecoast.org, uh, or you can uh, write me a note um, on uh, wakeuptotheword.org and uh, we can uh, connect with you on Sunday and make sure that that happens. Cool, good stuff. Um, now we get to the baptism of Jesus. We went through that and right after his baptism, he goes out into the wilderness for the temptation. Now that is, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, but I'm going to give you a little uh, taste of that so you come back next week. But here is the hook, the hook for next week. And you're going, ooh, that's, I'm waiting. So what is that hook? It's keeping me guessing. Here's the hook. Jesus went into the waters of baptism and immediately went out into the desert to be tempted. In Exodus, Israel went through the waters of the Red Sea and then immediately into the desert for 40 years uh, of sifting, if you will. Jesus went out 40 days and got tempted. I'm going to talk more about that next week because there's only a little blurb about it here. Next week we go into the full chapter of it and I'm going to unpack that a little more. But did your light bulb go on? Did you go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. And he says, okay, it's time to get to the races and we need to get going because Oh my goodness, I didn't know that, that that was a connection. Yeah, Israel goes through the waters, escaping out of Egypt, out of the world. Egypt represents the world. And into the desert to be sifted, to be, to be uh, drawn out, to, to get Egypt out of them. So as Christ goes through the waters of baptism, then out and tested and tempted in the wilderness by Satan. So it says right here, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels ministered to him. So there you go. That's a cool touch and we will get into that with more, much more detail, much more detail next week. So uh, Jesus begins his ministry right after that 
Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus begins his ministry and he says the kingdom of God is at hand. So uh, this is that dichotomy that's going on with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right now and not yet at the same time and that is not always easy for us to understand and sometimes people get all bent out of shape about trying to label what the kingdom of god is and and yet it is if you can place it in this quantum state where it's two places at once right now and not yet and so it's coming. The full kingdom of God is coming, but the kingdom of God is here. Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom of God. Because anywhere Jesus is king is the kingdom of God. So if Jesus rules and reigns in your heart, anywhere you go, you are carrying the kingdom of God with you. Because the king is present through the power of the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's here and not yet. And it's, it's something that is coming and it's something that is, that is in its fullness will come when Christ comes and rules and reigns on his throne in Jerusalem and we have the new heaven and the new earth and he reigns in the new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven. So he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the gospel repent man this word I just hear so many people I, I'm, <clears throat> I both enjoy and get uh, frustrated uh, as I hear people use the word repent in their life in their Christian walk and uh, I, I, I repented of that uh, before God and in, in prayer and in, in okay what did you, what did you do well I told him I was sorry I, I I I just felt terrible in my spirit and just just was mourning over that okay that's not repenting and I get the biggest eyes and I understand why people think repenting is saying you're sorry and repenting is feeling bad and repenting is is uh Telling Jesus you won't do it again, okay? That's not repenting. Can it be part of the repentant process? Sure, it can be part of it, and more than often is. But it's not repenting. And I understand why people come to that conclusion, because I went all through my Christian life, I went to church from the time I was six, asked Jesus to be my Savior at 16, Kind of went off into the world a little bit after that. Got back into Bible college. Got my life on track. Moving towards God. Went to Bible college. Where the first time in my life, I was 26, 27 years old. And I heard the actual definition of the word repent. And I was like, I beg your pardon? That is not my understanding of what repent means. My whole life I thought repent means say you're sorry, feel bad, mourn, weep, 
over the sin that you've done. That's not what repent means. Jesus came bringing the kingdom of God and he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Do you understand what he's saying? You aren't believing in the gospel, so you need to repent and believe in the gospel. It's to think and do the opposite of what you're doing now. It's an action. It is not an emotion, okay? Repenting is not an emotion. It is an action. Can emotions accompany it? Absolutely. Can we feel mourning and uh, the grieving of the spirit because we've, we've sinned or we're following the world or we're doing the things that we've always done? Yes, absolutely. That's all can be part of it. But the actual repentance is turning around and doing and thinking differently. As a matter of fact, 180 degrees, the exact opposite way. So when Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel, it means that they didn't believe in the gospel. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. They didn't believe that he died on the cross for their sins. He didn't believe why he came. And the gospel at this time is just that the Messiah is coming. They don't even know the rest of the gospel when he said that. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so they only had part of it, but he's still telling them, turn, you're not believing, and believe. So start thinking different and start doing different. And the very next thing here in Mark is Passing, passing along the Sea of Galilee, you saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting his nets in the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, "Follow me, and I will make, and I, and you, and I will make you become fishers of men." And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, I love this analogy, and I like to kind of bring that out. And, and uh, <clears throat> Jesus took what they did for a living, and he used it as their gospel hook. He used it as who they would be. So, uh, you know, uh, if you are a banker, then God is going to use your uh, your your banking for the kingdom of God. You're gonna you're gonna be financially uh, bringing people the wealth of Christ. You know, he's it, it could have been anything. They were fishers of men. They were fishermen, so he made them fishers of men. They were gonna go out looking for men. So. You're going to be showing people, if you're a wealthy person, you're going to go out and show people the wealth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I am, I was a correction officer. You are going to be setting the prisoner free in the kingdom of God. So, you know, this wasn't just, you know, something for everyone, uh, although it fits. Um, it was a targeted call to them. So look at yourself, what's your targeted call? Who are you, what did you do, what's your passion, what's your job, what's your, what do you do that, that Christ can say, I'm gonna take what you do and I am going to turn it towards the kingdom. I am gonna reconcile what you're doing and make it a kingdom gathering process. And I love that Jesus did that and we take it as a fishers of men and it's a nice little you're going to be fishers of men well what if i'm not a fisherman it doesn't really connect with me you know it it, it uh sometimes feels a little weird so i don't know what to do. but um <laughs> but uh look at who you are and what you do because that's what jesus is going to turn that's what he's going to reconcile that's what he's going to redeem for the kingdom of god so good stuff i'm going to take a little tell you about my coffee i got again crispy cream drip coffee 
Come on. Who's not loving the Krispy Kreme drip cup? I can't have the donuts. I'm fasting from sugar. So I certainly can have the coffee. Yeah? Okay. So let's keep moving here. Let's keep moving. No, it wasn't that funny. Uh, Jesus healed a man with an unclean spirit. And, uh... So, so uh... That was my phone ringing. Sorry about that. I usually put it on mute. Um... And they went to Capernaum. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. And he taught them as one who had the synagogue, their synagogue. A man was unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So... Lots of people look at that and say, why did he say that? Why did he, uh, why did the unclean spirit say, what do you have to do with us? Well, if we go all the way back to Babylon, we're going to talk about this, but it's going to take us a few weeks. So I'm going to give you a highlight. Uh, we're probably not going to get to this until uh, Genesis, until uh, February 14th. So um, the... Uh, At the Tower of Babel, we're going to be learning about uh, these uh, uh, rebelling spirits, the, the the rebelling Elohim that rebelled from God, and and they were part of that Babel, the spreading of people, and we'll talk about that when we get there. I'm gonna, I'm not going to get into it today. It's 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 its own lesson, so we might have a bonus lesson f for that. But what's going on is there's a. Uh, spiritual geography that goes on here as these uh, rebelling spirits were part of the Babel dispersion, okay? They were leaders of the different groups of people that dispersed out of Babel, and they had regional uh, oversight. Uh, so when demons possess somebody or they're in a region or in a land... Um, they're not expecting that another, that God Almighty is going to come in because he has dispersed those spirits. And we'll talk about where it says that in scripture. It's in Deuteronomy. But um, he has dispersed those, those uh, spirits. And uh, they have um, been given, essentially, authority. Uh, and they have been uh, given authority over those peoples. So when Jesus comes in, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, this is, uh, um, in essence, an act of spiritual warfare against these regional demonic beings. And so we're going to get into how this all unpacks, and you're going to look at Scripture in an entirely different way because of this demon was not expecting Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to come and affront his geographic region. What have you had to do with us? I know you're the Holy One of God. So he knows who he is, he identifies him, and he goes, pushes back uh, against him. Of course, he loses, which um, we know that rest of that story. So um, Jesus goes on. And he heals. I want to uh, get to the to the next portion of scripture too. So he goes on and he heals and he preaches in Galilee. 
and he cleanses a leper. Here is a cool part of the cleansing the leper. And then he sends him to go to the priest for the cleansing ritual. And uh, uh, the priest probably got this uh, leper uh, who's been cleansed. And he goes there, and, you know, I, I, I need the cleansing ritual. I've been cleansed of leprosy. And he probably was like, what? I've never done that before. I'm going to have to do a little research. I'm going to have to look it up. Because uh, in the Old Testament, there is a cleansing uh, process, ritual, for people who had leprosy. <clears throat> and uh, But nobody, nobody ever got cleansed. So it's, it's, it's something that he didn't know. So I'm sure that priest was, uh, was very, very surprised um, when, the, when he came to him. And uh, he said, uh, he says, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer your... Uh, off, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely and said the, to the good news, uh, no longer openly entered the town, but he was out in the desolate places. Jesus couldn't even go into town yet because uh, people were talking right away. So, okay, let's move over to Luke chapter 3. And again, uh, John prepares the way. And uh, what do we got for time here? We are uh, we are moving right along. Cool stuff. <clears throat> so we've already done the John the Baptist thing. And that's all the first part of uh, chapter 3 of Luke. And so you see that, that that account is in multiple portions of Scripture. So you can take the different aspects, the different places, and you'll see that there's slight differences, but mostly the same account. Some are more brief. Some have more detail. And, uh, and, and I'm just going to take this opportunity to talk to that. Critics and skeptics will look at these different accounts and they will say, well, see, th th there's contradictions in the Bible because uh, Luke says this about the baptism and Matthew says this and, and, and Mark says this about the baptism and John says this about the baptism, but they don't all say the same exact thing. And um, if, you, if you've ever been... In, in, in court, if you've ever uh, talked to an attorney, and uh, Lee Strobel is, is great at this. If you if you look at the case for Christ, he talks about this in depth. And Lee Strobel, if you don't know who he was, he was an atheist who his wife got saved, and he started to um, look into the uh, uh, into the Christianity, into the Christian faith, because he wanted to debunk his wife's faith. And who he was was he was an investigative reporter. He was an attorney. Uh, a trained attorney who became an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune back in the day. There's a whole movie about it. And, and so, um, uh, but this portion of what he talks about is great. Um, if you've ever been in testimony and you have two eyewitnesses that come up and uh, if they say the exact same thing and focus on the exact same stuff in the event that they happen to see, then it will be determined that they were coached and they, they either were not eyewitnesses or one of them was not an eyewitness and the other one is copying the other. And so it actually discredits both of them because there's no way to know who's lying, who is, who is just following the testimony of the other. So the fact that these gospel presentations are not the same is actually proof that they are authentic. And even though some of them are not eyewitnesses, like Luke was not an eyewitness, but he spoke with eyewitnesses and he wrote those accounts down, okay? John was an eyewitness, 
to the majority of these things. Luke was not, okay? So he's getting an account from people, and he, and he says that at the beginning of his gospel. I, I, I found it good to take an account of this. Uh, Matthew was an eyewitness to most of this stuff. Um, Mark was not, and so he, he's another one that, uh, there's all kinds of theories about that, which I'm not going to get into now, but uh, because the accounts have differences is actually what authenticates them. And human nature tells you that, and the legal system that we have confirms it. Okay? Good stuff. So let me get to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And we had a genealogy in Matthew that we talked about, but if you compare the two genealogies, there's only a very small place where they're exactly the same. <clears throat> and that can be confusing. It's, it's this area, it's all the way down uh, in uh, Luke chapter 3. Um, if you get the third, verse 31 through 34, and then you get to get some of the same names that are in the Matthew genealogy. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> a little tickle. So, um, and that's the, um, uh, the son of uh, Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Abimadad, uh, uh, the son of uh, Admin, uh, goes on to say Judah, Perez, we know that one, right? Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. Okay, all those names are the same. Some of them have a slightly different uh, abbreviated, uh, but essentially the same name. So some of them have like a nickname, like instead of Jeffrey, it says Jeff, that kind of a thing. <clears throat> but where people get confused is the fact that uh, the the the... The genealogies are mostly different, but they're both supposed to be the genealogies to Jesus Christ. And then you get down to, uh, you start at the beginning of this one, 23, 323. It says, Jesus was, was, Jesus when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age, being the son, as it was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, or Heli, the son of Matat the son of Levi, the son of Melchi. Okay, so we get that. But Joseph was not the son of Heli. Heli was not his father's name. And if you go to Matthew, you discover the father of Joseph. Okay, and that's all the way down. Uh, all the way down. Where am I going? I turn the page. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called the Christ. So Joseph's father's name is Jacob, who's the son of Matan. Okay? That's a different name. That's not Healy. Because of the patriarchal nature of the times, of the culture, of the writing, uh, the women were included in there, it wasn't something that they did readily. It was done when the, when the Holy Spirit moved them to, when it was necessary for the story, what, whatever the case. Multiple reasons. Um, but Healy was actually Mary's father. Okay? So this genealogy, Matthew's genealogy, goes from David to Solomon all the way to Joseph the earthly stepfather of Jesus. 
Luke's genealogy goes from David to Nathan and Mary's genealogy all the way to Jesus. Why is this important? This was of the utmost importance, okay? Because for Jesus to have, to be fully human and not have a sin nature, he could not have come from the seed of a man, of a human. David had original sin. His children all had original sin through the seed of David, through the seed all the way down to Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, but not the true father of Jesus. His seed with original sin was not passed into Jesus. And we know the story of Mary, that she uh, came by the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit came over her and she, she became pregnant. So she was someone who had, who was a seed uh, within herself because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this goes all the way back to Genesis where the serpent says that she will crush your head, he will strike your seed, your seed will have enmity with her seed. And he's talking about the offspring of Satan will have enmity against the offspring of Mary. But women don't have seeds except Mary. So in Genesis, they were talking about Mary. But Mary is still in the line, the lineage through bloodline of King David. So Jesus both had a physical, natural heir to the throne, David's throne, as prophecy said, but he also has the spiritual authority to be on the throne because he is sinless and the Son of God. So these two things are not contradictory. What they are is, is revealing to us Jesus' authority to be on David's throne and to fulfill the prophecies that were hundreds of years before him. So if you never heard that, I'm glad you're with us today and we'll get some cheers on that one because it makes the virgin birth absolutely necessary. Without the virgin birth, there is no birth of a sinless savior. The virgin birth is absolutely necessary. And so for those people who do not believe in the virgin birth, that it's a myth, that it's a legend, then you truly do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and you need to repent and believe differently. Believe the opposite. The virgin birth is real. Jesus Christ is Lord and his salvation is for you. And that's the end of our Bible reading wrap-up. You may have noticed I'm not wearing my sling today. It's not because I shouldn't put it on, but it's because I get sick of wearing it. But I do, and I am able, with doctor's permission, to take it off when I'm at home in a controlled environment and no one's going to come and pull on my arm and, and I'm not going to reach and grab things. But I'm getting some mobility back and I'm very excited about that, but i got to take it slow. Uh, but thank you for your prayers. Very excited. We will be... Uh, Coming back to you um, to uh, next week, and we'll get a little more 
into Jesus tempted in the desert. You guys have a great weekend. If you want to get baptized, let me know. That's Pastor Jeff at lifecoast.org. We'll see you next week.